rolling dice and drawing cards, to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games as well as experienced players who want something new, let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to Friday's Game Night. I'm Greg. And I'm Lauren. And in this episode, we'll talk about game components and how they add to the overall enjoyment of the game. In the dice roll, we'll talk about games we played that we didn't think we'd like, but turned out to be unexpected hits. And of course, give our monthly escape room report along with our favorite games right now. So Greg, as I think we've discussed on this podcast, I am not a big fan of games that have too many pieces. If it takes up too much space, if it requires too much setup, not a big fan of it. But what I do like is games that have really cool pieces and really cool set designs. Yeah, and I can understand that because we've discussed a few games in here before, like the Firefly game. Mm -hmm. That's really cool premise. People like that show. It's got a cult following. But if you look at how many different decks of cards and pieces and piles of things and tokens you have to set, it's a lot of space and it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, like I tried to have my dad play that once and he was like, he took one look at it and said, no, I'm. I'm not doing that, you know. <laughs> but if you do have a game with a cool premise like that, but you really condense it down, it can be really enjoyable. And so we kind of got thinking, yeah, the gameplay is one thing, but the actual pieces that come with it can be an allure itself. Mm. Kind of like judging a book by its cover. I know you're not supposed to do that, but let's be fa- let's face yeah. it, we do that. So uh, we were going to talk about how some game components can actually sort of uh, change the enjoyability of a game. So one of the things I was I first was looking at when we were talking about this topic is the game Risk. That's a classic one that we brought up a couple of times. But if you look at Risk or Clue or any of those other classic ones that have been around forever, uh-huh. the old pieces used to be just these little geometric wooden blocks. You know, like Risk is literally like, here's a circle, here's a square, here's this kind of like weird star-shaped like triangle thing, and that's your guys. Mm-hmm. But now, like, you know, with the um, the new special ones, like I had the Lord of the Rings Risk, each of my little figurines are like little mini archers or horsemen or eagles or uh-huh. ogres or whatever, you know, and it's like much more immersive. Like I can say, oh, there's that character from the movie that I remember, or, you know, they also have ones based upon video games or like even I'm sure the Simpsons they're everywhere (laughs) yeah the Simpsons pretty much have um every game has an expansion for them um the other thing is like if you do think about some of those old games like Monopoly and Clue Mm. like I remember as a kid those pieces were kind of like a big deal yeah like you know oh I want to be the shoe or I want to be whatever or you know you had fun setting out the little tiny lead pipe yeah there would be big arguments and like there's a long running joke about I got to be the thimble yeah no one wants to be the thimble but like that's a joke that's like in mainstream Mm -hmm. like culture you know for the longest time and even those pieces have changed over the years I heard they recently put like a dinosaur in there I don't know why yeah I believe they did away with either the thimble or the shoe or something probably both yeah one of them they did away with and added something different and like okay sure i get like updated (laughs) but like there was supposed to be like representations of like how wealthy you are moving on (laughs) anyways (laughs) but uh yeah so it's it's definitely changed a lot in Uh terms of like the actual pieces that were given you know Mm -hmm. where it's not just little wooden basic figures even like clue i have a version where they have like fully like painted and realized figures that resemble Professor Plum and Mrs. White uh-huh. and all of that, you know, yeah. so you can really feel like your character, not just like, I have the purple pawn. Yeah, I think definitely the tactile pieces of games have come a long way, and the quality mm-hmm. of the materials used in some cases really makes a difference. And I think that's the word tactile, the fact that I can actually sense it with my sense of touch. Mm-hmm. It's not just vision anymore. Yeah, and you can pick it up and you can look at it, and it makes more of a 
it it represents more on the board. It stands out, you know. Yeah, board. and it's much more visually appealing and mentally yeah. satisfying to kind of build the narrative in your head of yeah. what's going on. Yeah, you're you're no longer purple. You are Mrs. Mr. Plum. Yeah, exactly. Professor, excuse Professor you. He Plum. went to he went to eight years of Plum School to become <laughs> Professor Plum. He knows his fruits. But going into some other types of games, you know. Uh, it's not so much about just the individual like player pieces. It's now becoming even more of like the actual game board itself mm-hmm. is changing. There's this one game uh, called Castle Panic where you have the castle in the middle of this board and there's like three layers of defensive walls, but each of the walls is actually a physical thing that you could hold up. Uh-huh. And then as they go down, you remove those pieces of the wall and knock them down. And that's kind of cool too to keep track of that. Because they easily could have just had that drawn on there. Yeah. And you just put like a big red X on it or something. Yeah, well, yeah. It does seem like games are kind of not long, no longer, board games are no longer thinking of in terms of a board, a flat board on the table. It's not two-dimensional. Yeah, Yeah. things are becoming more three-dimensional and more um, multi-levels. But at the same time, you don't want to go full 3D. Because as much as we all love the game Mousetrap, everyone hates setting up that thing. Yeah, it's fun to set off, but set the whole thing up because you have to read the all instructions, like three pages worth of like the shoe goes where again, you know? Yeah, well, I feel like that was an early generation of this idea. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem with Mousetrap was not only was it hard to set up, it often didn't work. Yeah. So that's why... The kind of too many pieces, too many things can go wrong. Yeah, if you think of a game with great components, like Mousetrap is a great idea and we all wanted it as a kid, but in practice, it was very impractical and didn't really work. So, but now, like you said, you have these like, the castle panic um that's more of a 3d game um another one you and i discussed is like cult express oh that's a great one. you know cult yeah. express could easily be a flat board but no yeah they you chose... could have it just printed of here's this train car that train car top level bottom level yeah exactly it could be like the um instead of a top view a side view of the train exactly um but instead they built these really cool little 3d trains that you put together they stand up and you actually have a top and bottom level that you can put your tokens and meeples on. And you can even drag the train along the table if you wanted to. <laughs> they have little little cactus and mountain vista yeah, sceneries on the side. You know, stuff you can set <laughs> like up. you could practically do a photo session with it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just get yourself like a good backdrop, you know. Yeah, and even like the standard little meeples, which are just the, you know, your little wood cut out people, those have also changed over the years. Yeah, there's tons of one for each game. Like in that one, I think they all have cowboy hats and little guns on them. Yeah, exactly. Or um in Clank all the little meeples um one's like a little archer that's true they all represent different classes yeah they represent different classes um and even there's some games now where your meeples can actually hold stuff um they can hold little shields and swords that you can customize and i think that's kind of the thing is not only do we want it to be simple but we also want diversity in our simple things as well Uh you know like just going back to cult express that game is about robbing a train and getting all the cash grabs you know Uh and the idea is that you have these little bags of money that are face down but then when you flip and face up at the end you find out how much was in that bag but they also have little diamond things and they also have little briefcase things Uh and it's just because we want that variety of like maybe this is a diamond heist or maybe it's you know getting like the big thing for like the the bank you know, uh, managers yeah. like briefcase or whatever. And it's like, you could have just made it all just the bags of cash with the money sign on it, mm-hmm. you know, but you didn't, you made it some variety there. Cause that's more exciting to players, you know, or like you said, the fact that meeples can now have interchangeable things of holding in their hands. Yeah, exactly. You know, it kind of leads to the whole like of simplicity yet complex. You know, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Of Yeah. Like, 
making it my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, and th- those things don't add a lot of complexity, maybe necessarily. They just, they add, they make it a little bit different. They stand out. They, they differentiate, They yeah. give it a little bit more diversity. Diversity, yeah. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Um, and, I mean, we've kind of seen this, like, trend over the years, you know, for a while, especially in, I would say, probably the 90s. Um, one of the types of games that kind of became somewhat popular briefly were these VHS games where essentially you had a board game and you had a um, old you know VHS and you would put it in your VCR and it would play a video that went along to the game mm-hmm. um, and so some of the ones they had is they had um, a game called Atmos uh, well it's called Atmosphere, but it was also called Nightmare, and most people know it by Nightmare, I believe. I think I remember hearing about Nightmare. Yeah, they had a Candyland one. Did they? Yeah, um, they had a Wayne's World game. Yes, I would have been down for that. The guys from Wayne's World. That's amazing. Um, and another one called Party Mania, and of course you have to think, well, those games, you know, yes, they had these VHS. Um, you needed a VHS player to play them. Well, what happens now when none of us have a VHS? Yeah. Um, well, now people have been putting them on YouTube, and these games can still be played now. That's awesome. It's kind of, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about some of these games that maybe require apps and stuff. Well, what happens when, I mean, our phones are constantly changing. What happens when that app, our phones no longer support that app? Mm -hmm. What happens when the game makers decide, we're not going to keep putting money into updating these apps and stuff? And as they say in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's really awesome. I mean, you know, the idea that... Because we've gone to a couple game cafes before. Uh And there's lots of cool older games you might see. And if you do happen to see one of those, like Nightmare, and you want to play it, like, you can just whip out your phone as long as you can hear it. Yeah, exactly. You can still play it. But it's... Because the problem... Like you said, in the 90s, we were trying a lot of experimental things. Mm -hmm. And, like, sometimes they really worked. You know, sometimes they were, like, really predicated upon, like, well, we're going to assume you're living right now in 94. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, well, they were cutting edge at the time, and they didn't know that, you know, VHSs were going to go away eventually, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm sure this same, I'm sure they had DVD versions as well of some of these things. Then also, there were some of those kind of weird games, kind of along the lines of Mousetrap, mm-hmm. where they were games that were trying different things and trying to start to add technology in. Um, <laughs> so one example, it's actually, this would be a remake of a really old game, Mystery Date. I've heard of Mystery Date. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, but, basically, yeah. Mis- they they came out with a second version of Mystery Date, I believe, in the '90s that used a phone. Okay. And so rather than oh, trying I remember to a commercial out, for that. Yeah. yeah. Rather than trying to figure, you know, rather than figuring out through like opening little doors, you were able to call the mystery person. Um, same using a phone. They had a game which I actually remember playing called Dream Phone. Okay, I, I have a question for you, uh-huh. real quick, just. Because you're uh, you're a pretty progressive woman. How do you feel about a game that's targeted obviously towards girls? Like, oh, girls talk on the phone, right? Uh, yeah. We're just going to make know, a game right? where they can just talk on the phone more. <laughs> well, what's funny is um, the other one, Dream Phone, which I actually remember playing. I think one of my friends had it. Um, basically, that idea was you had a secret admirer. Although oh. it's kind of weird because you're playing it in a group. So apparently oh. you all had a secret admirer. Or one of you had a secret admirer or something. And, listen, um, listen, guys aren't that picky. You had all these tiles with guys, and they had phone numbers. Mm-hmm. And you would go and you would call them on this little phone, and there would be a recording, and they would be like, oh, he's at the mall. And so then you'd go to the mall, and then you know, and then you would slowly whittle down until you called the right one. Who is this person that is stalking your secret admirer? But what's funny is, like, if now, in fact, I saw an article in BuzzFeed recently, and I'll make sure I post it after this um, episode comes up, but they went back and they looked at all these guys, and they were all creepy as hell. Yeah. Like, they all, like, some 
of them looked way... They either looked way too old or way too young. Oh. Like, you're like, what's the nine-year-old doing in here, you know? <laughs> it was really hey, weird. Hey, nine-year-olds feel loved, too. <laughs> they also had, which I think you probably remember, um, a game called Mall Madness, where you yes. had, like, a credit card. My oldest sister, Heather, swipe. loved that game, and I played with her often. <laughs> I just remember, discount at the pet store. And it's like, really? You're going to discount the fact that this is a living creature that has needs and wants love <laughs> and can be killed? But no, I bought it because it was on discount. Like, that was the one, even as a kid, discount I was puppy. like, discount puppies does not equal necessarily, like, a good thing, you know? <laughs> also, what's wrong with the puppy that you're discounting it? I guess it doesn't have all of its legs or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, this puppy's missing a paw. Can I get it for, like, 25% off? That's awful. <laughs> but then also, I would say, like, the quality of pieces have really gone up, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say? I mean, can you think of any examples? Well, yeah, because, like, of... even just, like, with Mall Madness, even when it was brand new out of the box, it sounded, like, horribly, like, you know, digitized. Yeah, and, like, and they would break You really have right to, like, away. listen hard, like, did she say what? What? Yeah. Mervyn's or JCPenney? I couldn't tell what she said. <laughs> they, those kind of things would break right away. Yeah. They had batteries that were pretty much impossible to replace. So once those went out. And also we had, oh yeah, the, the ones that are impossible to replace. I was going to say if they're just regular like AA batteries, it burns through them like super fast. Yeah, but most of those games, they use like weird watch batteries that, and half the time, like they didn't even have a place for you to remove it. Like it's, it's like just gone. buried deep in the thing. Yeah. yeah. There was this one uh, game from the 90s, since we're still talking on that, mm -hmm. called 13 Dead End and it's the one that I loved the most as a kid. And in this, you're supposed to have like little figurines going around a mansion and then you put them under booby traps that then like fall onto them, like a chandelier that drops like six inches onto them or like a knife. So essentially you're killing characters. But the problem is because you're purposely putting your little cardboard stand-ups in harm's way and then like having this heavy thing fall on it, like the game broke so quickly <laughs> because here's a thing that's like, you know, kind of heavy. And, like, you're dropping six inches repeatedly. It's like, that's going to break very quickly, you know? So it's mm -hmm. one of those big complaints I had. Like, it's a cool idea, but at the same time, uh, maybe the chandelier, which is... Okay, yeah, we'll say we dropped it, you know? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, going back to more modern games, you know? Like, there's been a few changes over the years as well, mm -hmm. you know? Even with basic things. Like, um, we've had the uh, advent of uh, new shapes being used. You know, geometry is our friend. Because uh, originally it was just all a bunch of squares. You know, mm -hmm. just squares on squares on squares. But now that ever since, I think pretty much it goes back to Settlers of Catan and uh. the Euro games where we have hexes. Now you have multiple options of how things can be laid out and how things can be, you know, of where you can go. Rather than just, can I go up, down, left, or right? I can go diagonals now. Uh -huh. you know? And even with things like Catan, where sometimes you even have it where you can place the tiles every single time in a different fashion. Yeah, and that, I think that's come in. Like, you see that in a lot of games now. Like, um, I know you have one, and I think there's different variants of it, but you have one that it's like a zombie game and you're setting up this town and you can set it up different ways every mm -hmm. time. Every time, yep. Um, there's, um, well, what's the one with the haunted house kind of thing? Betrayal at House on the Hill? Yeah, where like the house changes constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, depending on what cards you pull. Um, we were talking about one of our favorites, Galaxy Trucker, where you you are placing like little tiles on this board and it it's all based on your pulls and stuff and it can be different every time. And it adds an insane amount of replayability to a game. Exactly, yeah. Because with the older ones, like Clue, like, okay, yeah, there's some replayability there of like person, place, and object. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you've essentially still played the same game of Clue. Yeah. You know, but here... 
if you know just going back to like the zombie game if the uh-huh. if the fire station is like right next to where you start at the beginning that's great but later on if it's and that's some of the game now it's like miles away and you still need to get there uh-huh. you know that's going to be a completely different game of trying to fight your way through all those zombies just to get that fire axe that's like a major boost you know? yeah or um another good example would be um forbidden island the you know how how you lay it out could really change the results of your game. There's literally been times where we've laid out that game, and I immediately looked at it and said, "No, no, no, not that layout. Nope, that will totally mess us up. We're we're going to reshuffle that uh, because like all of the important things would either be like right next to each other, yeah, which can either be very like too easy mm-hmm. or make it insanely difficult. If it's like, well, those two are right next to each other, and if one goes, then they're both essentially gone. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and it can really add to the difficulty of it or just the random element to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, randomization really, really does make a difference. But in general, uh, as we were saying, it's kind of like the pieces that really uh, bring the game together. Like going to Forbidden Island since we're mm-hmm. there. That game, the pieces are essentially uh, 24 little cardboard uh, squares uh-huh. that represent different parts of an island that you put down in a very specific pattern. Mm-hmm. And then you have your four basic pawns, you know, that are just made of wood. But the cool thing about it is the treasure. Mm-hmm. That is actually fully, like, detailed little tiny plastic sculptures of a chalice, of a fire crystal, you know, things like yeah. that. And for some reason, it's kind of like having your end goal be highlighted mm-hmm. is what matters in that game. Like, this is the thing that you want. And, like, the rest of it, yeah, it's cool, but look how cool this is. Yeah, you know? or even then going further um, with the next version of that, which was Forbidden Desert, then you have that little airship you get to put together. And that's the end goal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like looking at even, uh, like, an Indiana Jones movie, you know? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, the whole temple that he goes through is cool and everything and like that was fun like oh he avoided the arrows shooting at the wall but it's that little monkey statue that uh-huh. he like does the same that's the cool part that everyone, that's the remembers. Part everyone remembers because yeah. that's like and then of course the boulder afterwards uh-huh. you know but like if you if you ask people like list all the traps that he goes through to get to the monkey statue mm-hmm. they're not going to remember necessarily you know because that's the part that's highlighted that's like oh my gosh we're here we made it you know yeah i i definitely think like Pieces like that can really make a difference. Um, a couple of games that like I we haven't played, I know, but I've seen online that I can really see where a, their appeal really comes from. Their mm-hmm. pieces is there's um, Potion Explosion, which uses these like little marbles, mm-hmm. and they have this really cool little kind of marble case that you're picking from, and how the marbles drop in the case depends on what actions you take and what you can do. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and so I can really see where the the compelling nature of that game is wanting to play with those marbles and wanting to use that little marble drop thing. Yeah. Um, another one is um, Sagrada, which is all about your building stained glass, essentially. I have and not heard of that, but that sounds awesome. You're just using tiles. I mean, you're just using um, dice. But the dice are like these brightly colored dice and you're arranging them all together and they kind of make like a stained glass. And so it's kind of, it's a very simple game, but it it looks really pretty. And you can see how kind of wanting to lay out your dice is very, um, you really want to do that. It's motivating you to do that. I like that very much. It makes you want to play the game. Meanwhile, if you go the opposite end, if you look at something like Codenames, which is a pretty popular game, that game has a very sort of blah look to it to tell the truth you know mm-hmm. it's a fun game don't get me wrong but it's just like little almost like manila envelope folders which is of course on theme with spies and secret files and stuff but just manila envelope folders that have like the word like giraffe mm-hmm. castle phoenix written on it you know uh-huh. and it's like uh, yeah i'm like you put like little red or blue figurines of like oh a spy is here or whatever but at the same time like there's nothing really that's 
visually engaging or exciting about that. There's nothing to play with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing to play with. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, that's a really good summation of what kind of what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's what can you play with while you're playing the game? Because yeah. to be honest, going even back to Forbidden Island, there's been plenty of times we've tried to stack the little trophies, <laughs> yeah. like so we can all have like this weird totem pole effect, uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember once like there's a little chalice, and one of our friends took a little eyedropper and some of the coke and put in a little chalice and drank out of that, you know? <laughs> so like, yeah, it's what what can I play with or enjoy while I'm playing the game, mm-hmm. you know? Or I even said back with Cult Express, like you just move the little choo choo along as you're going along, you know? <laughs> It definitely, like, it, you know, it adds the interaction. Um, another game, like, I was thinking about is um, Taikonoko. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's another kind of example of, like, that 3D effect. Yeah. Where you're building up. And you have these kind of, you know, you have the little panda. And you have the little bamboo. And you're building mm-hmm. up. And isn't it like a little dude? I yeah. I think it is. He's like a gardener so. or something. Uh-huh. But, yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of like... In games, you have to have one of three... Th- you have to have something that the players can hold and play with yeah. in their hands. And in my mind, it's really... It's got to be either, like, you have dice, like with that stained glass one that you mentioned. Uh-huh. Or you got to give me some kind of cards I can look at and look, look at the pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. Or it's got to be some kind of, like, a physical thing. Because typically, games work with either you're rolling dice, you're playing cards, or you're doing a set of actions that have been pre-approved by the designers. Uh-huh. Like, um... Like Forbidden Island, you know, they mm-hmm. gave you like a card that says, here's the list of five things that you can do and mm-hmm. you can only do three of them or whatever. You yeah. Know? But like, so I haven't played uh, Taikonoko, but I'm imagining it's probably like that where it's like, here's a list of actions that you can do because I don't, I don't, I've seen pictures, but I don't remember seeing dice or cards along with it necessarily, uh-huh. but like I'm imagining it's like, oh, here's so many actions choose there but then while you're doing that oh hey look at the cute little panda you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure the panda has something to do it's with like it. they all but know i'm that sure he gets played with a lot it's like oh, mm, watch that's a yeah <laughs> it's like it's like the game designers all believe that we all have a slight form of add <laughs> yeah and it's like listen this is a great game but people will get distracted mm. you gotta like put something in here for them to like really like mess around with you know yeah i also think it's really cool how games are kind of evolving too to be more um, more interactive and just more clever in their use of um, items. Like, for instance, one of the ones that you have that I always thought was kind of really ingenious is Gloom. Yeah, and Gloom's a cool one. Gloom has like these transparent cards that you add on top of each other and you can see everything through the cards. So it's just like, it almost looks like one card instead. And so as things change, you add the transparent card over it and it either masks certain things or it adds certain things and it's so it changes how your character card is working. And yet it's just a deck of cards. Yeah. But it's cool enough and different enough that that's something I can play with and have fun with. Yeah. And without the transparent cards, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they could do something else, but it wouldn't be as slick or no. as nice of a design. It, like, no, it's definitely much Those transparent that way, yeah. cards like really make that. Um, another one is a game that you have, um, Her Majesty's. On Her Majesty's Service. Yeah, I always get that one um, confused with the Bond film. So. <laughs> because it's, no, it's a super similar title. Yeah, yeah, so that's why I, I always second guess myself. But with that one, you actually have almost like gears that are on the board. It is. It's like you're in a giant clock. Yeah, and so you're moving those, and that's changing the board, and that's changing how everyone else has to react to the board you can, and their actions. You can really mess up someone's game just by changing one gear, not just your game but her game and his game at the yeah, same time. Yeah, you're changing the game completely. Yeah, and that's a really cool method of like how one small detail affects everything. Yeah, and I mean it's it's more it makes the board more compelling. It's adding something that otherwise would 
you know, yes, once again, it's something you could probably figure out a way to do without this cool mm -hmm. interaction, but it would be clunky and complicated and, you Exactly. Know. And it's also, it, it brings you into the world, the imagination of the of the universe that they're trying to portray to you because yeah. i mean you can you can read the story that's on the back of the box at candyland as much as you want mm -hmm. but without those actual pictures of the peppermint forest and the caramel swamp or whatever uh -huh. it is people are going to yell at me for not knowing those on the top of my head like <laughs> we don't have kids so it's been a really long time since we played those <laughs> decades like without those pictures there like it would be lost the theme you know like mm -hmm. okay just a bunch of colored squares it could be the care bear game for all i know yeah you know but yeah to actually have like gears moving then that means kind of reminds you this is a steampunky kind of feel yeah you know? and also going along with that there's another game which um we haven't played it's called um Tzolkin, i believe and it's very similar in that gear aspect but it's based on the mayan calendar oh that's awesome and it looks like you know it looks like these mayan kind of almost like gear things like that are stone of, wheels yeah exactly so it goes with that theme and it keeps you kind of grounded in this idea of a moving clock and a moving calendar and and yeah that's as i was kind of alluding to at the beginning i think that's the most important aspect for gaming components is that it keeps you and your mind mentally in the theme mm -hmm. in the story of what's going on yeah you know because yes if you can get away with having the components be just little wooden figurines you know of just basic pawns that's fine but at the same time if you want to up your production value or if you think that no it needs another kick in the you know pants mm -hmm. to like get you remembering like here's what you're doing then yeah, like take it to the next step. You know? Yeah, I think it's kind of a balance between, you know, like I said, a game, I don't like games that have too many pieces and that are too overly complicated with all these little things that mm. I have to keep track of. But at the same time, having good components that can really elevate the game, that gameplay and make it unique. And in some ways, you know, they can even um streamline those things and make them easier oh, yeah. to play like we said with gloom sure you could do it a different way but it wouldn't be as nice and neat and streamlined as just using transparent cards um you know another example of how things are changing is now there's more apps that go along with games oh the apps are a huge part of it yeah and it and there's it kind of is in twofold in some ways apps can just be um kind of counterparts to the game mm -hmm. you know they track your levels. They track your points. Things like that. I've even seen apps, and this actually had a price tag to it of like a two dollars in the like iPhone store. Mm -hmm. But it was like just a listing of all the magical spells in D and D for like a very specific class. Uh -huh. And it's like I bet, but I bet you that's useful because Probably. rather than carrying around this like you know pound and a half huge book. That like has, I then got to dig uh -huh. through all the pages. Where's my page? Yeah. You know? And you can probably pin the ones that you are currently using yeah. or that, and then you could probably mark the ones that you've used that I can't use till the next time and things like that, rather mm. than having to, you know, what we do when we play D and D is like, I have a sheet that has what I currently am allowed to use. Yeah. And I kind of have, I write on it. But at the same time, if you forgot to bring that sheet. Yeah, I'd be screwed. But how likely you forget that sheet versus how likely you forget your phone. Yeah, exactly. My phone's always on me. So that's why that's a great idea of having mm -hmm. the apps like that because it's a supplemental. And also, you're probably going to keep it with you at all times. Yeah, and I know we've, you know, we've used apps before for... Um, like Munchkin. Munchkin, yeah, because it can be hard to like... You constantly have to count up what level oh, you like, are Oh, man, like, like, I know that. I just counted it, but, like, was I 35, 37? Yeah. Let me go through it again. And, you know, like, so I have a version, the version of Munchkin that I have, um, I actually only have one, but... Um, but I it's have, steampunk, but because it's steampunk. that's and on theme for you. Mine has a board that helps you count levels, but not all of them do, and so that could also be, you know, like, 
okay, wait, what level am I? And, yeah, because you know, before I mean, that... some people use pennies. Yeah, I was going to say, before that, when I just had the basic, like, startup munchkin, uh-huh. I literally just got out, like, 40 pennies. And it's like, here's 10 for everybody. Like, yeah. just put them in front of you when you get a level. Uh-huh. Like, it was low tech, but it worked. And then, of course, they come out with, like, other components, like, that you can add on, like a level tracker, uh-huh. things like that. But, you know... Once again, I it it depends on how much you personally also want to up your game if you mm-hmm. want to buy this advanced thing. Yeah, and that. also you know apps can they can some for some people they can help with the game in some ways they can maybe distract you from the game mm-hmm. um, depending on what kind of person you are. But then there's also now this trend where people are making apps like a central part to a game where you need the app. Yeah. Um, for instance, one game, Mansions of Madness, it used to be just a regular kind of like board game, but for the second version that they released, um, an app becomes like very um, important to the game. And basically what it does is originally, basically it was kind of like one person working against the rest of the players. Mm-hmm. Very asymmetrical. Yeah. Um, but it really relied on that one person kind of knowing all the rules and being very versed in it. That would be me in our yeah. video. And so that could be really hard and it could really detract from the game. So with the app, that kind of removes that. And now you sort of have the app acting as what you're playing against. And the app is kind of taking on that role of the dungeon master per se. And that's So that one fine. person doesn't and have to do that. That's good because to tell the truth, yeah. Knowing from personal experience, you know, being the guy who's usually the one who knows all the rules and uh-huh. stuff, it's kind of hard to explain to someone who has to have a good and deep understanding of like how this game works, mm. like Mysterium. Like, I would love for someone else to be the ghost, yeah. but like to explain like, here's how you set it up so that you know what you're doing. Like, it kind of takes a while, you know, but then to have an app that like, uh-huh. will just do that for you. Yeah. I mean, another one I could think that would really be- maybe benefit from an app possibly is Letters from Whitechapel. Because it can, you know, like, for instance, you know, we can get frustrated because I'm really good at playing Jack and people have a really hard time catching me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe one of maybe one of our other friends isn't very good at playing Jack. So we always catch them no matter what. (laughs) Whereas wouldn't it be cool if the app played Jack and we were all trying to catch Jack? That'd be fantastic. And then we're all working together and we're not working against each other kind of thing. Because also the the thing with that is whenever you play games, you're not playing the game. You're also playing the person, Mm -hmm. you know, just like with chess. Yeah. So if I know you and your personality, I can guess, well, you're the kind of person who might double back or might get right next to me Uh and then move along, you know, try to squeeze through the defenses. Or this person, they might try to be totally afraid and just run off Mm -hmm. as far away as they can. But if it's a computer... Yeah. You don't necessarily know. You don't know. And maybe it has a bunch of different strategies. It's kind of like, you know, we play the app version sometimes of Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. And Ticket to Ride has um, a couple different computer opponents and they have different strategies. They do. And depending on which one you're playing. And it could be the same with the app for that. It could have different strategies for Jack. Maybe he is going to just try to run for it or maybe he's going to be sneaky. And, and try to circle, circle around. around. Yeah. And, you know, like it could definitely add a fun element to it. And I, I definitely think that we're going to see more and more apps like that that are going to be integral to games. I just, the only thing I'm concerned about, though, is as you alluded to before, what happens when the designers go out of business or they don't want to keep up with that anymore, Mm -hmm. then unfortunately that goes by the wayside. Because like the other ones that we used to do, like the VHS ones, people just put that in YouTube. Mm -hmm. YouTube will, I'm assuming, always be there. And if not, then whatever new media thing comes up, yeah. it'll get transferred over. Uh-huh. But like apps, that's not yeah, something that I you think, can transfer you know, over to a video file. I mean, but think about it. Think about some of the old video games we play. With emulators think about, and stuff, yeah. And yeah, and think about all the different ways you can still play those. True. 
You know, I, I can still play same. a good old NES on my computer. I now. think this, as long as it is something that a geek likes, mm-hmm. it's going to find a way to transition. <laughs> geeks, uh, geeks will find a way. Exactly, yeah. they'll they'll find a way to either put it on a web browser based system, mm-hmm. or you know, we'll have something like um, good old games or whatever it's called. For or some this. guy will just, hey, I like this one. I'm just going to rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah, exactly. And put Make on it my personal free. site. Yeah. yeah, and make it free. People will do that. People you know will they do will. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, I mean, I like, it, especially with these things, as long as a geek likes it, they're going to find a geek who knows how to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's for certain. Just as long as the intellectual property holder doesn't get in the way, of course. True. Very true. Yeah. Which, you know, can have disastrous results when the intellectual property holder does not see the future. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, you know, it's kind of like, in some cases, I think there's there's definitely been cases, maybe not, I don't know about games, but... I know for like movies and television where the intellectual property holder has really stood in the way of having their property be brought to the new level and the new oh, generation. Yeah. Yeah. I think a great example of that is there was this really awesome YouTube show for a while called Adult Wednesday Adams. Yes. And oh my gosh. The yes. intellectual property holders told her to cease and desist. But she was so good. And she was so good and people loved it. And they really missed an opportunity where they should have said, hey, let's work together and let's develop a show let's together. Let's lean into this. Yeah, let's lean into this. You're awesome. You have great ideas. We're just sitting on this property not doing anything with it. Like, why don't we do this? And they didn't do it. And it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Like, they missed a big opportunity there. Yeah, and I mean, uh, from my experience with it, uh, there was this really fantastic RPG called Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. which is like on many people's number one best RPGs of all time for the Super uh-huh. Nintendo. And there was this group of people in like the early 2000s who wanted to remake it for the PlayStation 2, you know, because like updated graphics and like 3D models and everything. Uh-huh. And they ha- got like three quarters of the way through the entire game's production. And then uh, Square found out about it, the company that owns it, and said, you better stop right now. And they told them, listen, we'll do this for free. We just want this to be done. We just want this It's our passion project. We went into this not expecting to get money. Uh And then, like, we'll give you all the work that we have. And they're like, no, if we want to do something with it, we will do something with it. And you can forget your business. And Uh it's like, that stuff. That that really, really bites, you know. But uh, at the same time... It is their property, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand that. But come on. Yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> come on. <laughs> All right. So now I think it's time for us to go on to our dice roll segment. So we've all been, especially as people who love games, I'm sure we've all been given a game, perhaps, mm-hmm. or um, purchased a game or been sent a game that we thought, ugh. No, this isn't going to be good. Yikes, what is this? <laughs> and then we actually played the game and found out it was actually really fun. Or not Oh, what, what is this? <laughs> um, I think, you know, a good example for the two of us is when it was uh, International Tabletop Day. Mm-hmm. We were at a game store playing games with people who we didn't know. And we had just gotten done sh- um, playing um, Letters to Whitechapel with them. Which a lot of um, people were like, oh, what is this? Yeah, they had never seen it before. And then... Um, this guy said, well, you know, I just got this new game and mm-hmm. do you guys want to play it with us? I ha- he said, I hadn't have a, haven't had a chance to play it yet and I've been really excited to him. So we're like, sure. And he pulls out Clank. And yes, my first did. thought was, uh, this game sounds way too complicated. It has way too much going on. Like, this isn't going to be a game that I'm going to end up liking. You know, we'll play this, but after that I'm probably never going to play it again or I'm going to be terrible at it. 
And we actually ended up really liking it and eventually got our own copy. I admit I had similar thoughts and feelings that you did, but just Uh not as hard or deep as you might say. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, this, like, because the problem with games is that there's no good way to explain them yeah. unless you're well-practiced at it. Let's, yeah. It's almost like trying to ask someone out on a date. Mm. Like, you really got to practice in the front of the mirror, like, what your approach is going to be. Because otherwise, yeah. you will botch it some yeah, way. Yeah, it's hard because, it, like, Clank does, on its surface, sound very complicated. But once you get to playing it, you fall into it really easily. And it and it's easy to get, yeah. And it's... It's one of those ones where the board looks intimidating, but mm. actually it's pretty simple. Yeah, and all the cards look intimidating, but it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. You yeah. Know? And you just take it. It's one of those, just take it one step at a time and you will flow into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then another one that uh, I actually had from uh, kind of the anniversary of this, by the way, last Christmas. My sister, she sent me a game in the mail for Christmas. And I had, she because she asked me, hey, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, just send me a board game. You know, whatever. Just surprise me. Here's a list of what I do have uh, yeah. so that you don't give me a copy. But mm-hmm. just anything that's not here. And she says, okay. So then she sends me this thing that's called Galaxy Trucker. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And she goes, oh, it's great. My friends and I, we played at, our, at her house. And it's, you know, really fun. You'll like it. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, this looks dumb. I don't think I'll like this. Like, I don't like the idea of, like, trucker things. Like, okay, I like, um, I like, uh, smoking the, I like smoking the bandit. <laughs> yeah. You know. And but, I like space, but. I like space, but I don't really see those two going well uh-huh. together. And then I'm looking at it and it has all these components. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to, oh man. And, like, the book is kind of written in, like, a weird way that mm. it's jumping around. But I finally watch a video on YouTube. I just actually, admittedly, like, I had to watch someone play this, you know. Mm. But I was like, oh. Oh, you get to build. Oh, you're building your spaceship. Oh, that's interesting. And then you and I tried it. And you were like instantly like, I love this. This is fantastic. Our friends don't like it as much as we do, but we love it. I will admit that game is very much you have to be of the right kind of like mind type. Yeah, they don't like one. First of all, two of our friends that we play the most games with, they're very artistic. Yeah. So they sometimes, I mean, not that we're not artistic, but at a different Different kinds of artistic mm-hmm. and or autistic, depending. On. <laughs> um, but they don't really like the time element. And for well, you, you and I, out, but... yeah. But and for you and I, we work a little bit better with the time element. With stress of it, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it's one of those games where I feel like you really have to. Be, I always get them confused whether it's left brain or right brain. Uh-huh. You have to be like in the whatever side yeah. mind it is to like really get it. But if mm-hmm. you do, it's a fantastic game. Yeah. So I definitely recommend that as like, you look at it and you're like, oh, this look, but oh, but this yeah. is fun though. Yeah. I had a similar experience with a game that was gifted to me. This one, um, it was actually at a previous job I had where I, w- I was fairly close with my coworkers, but they were um, a little bit older than I was. Mm-hmm. And they knew that we liked to play games. That's, you know, that's the extent of it. They didn't know what games we played. They didn't know anything about games themselves. And one of them bought me a copy of a game called Awkward Family Photos. Which oh, was yes. clearly just, you know, like in a bookstore kind of thing like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it going, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is just a cheap tie-in. It's not going to be fun or whatever. It also looks kind of like one of those games that once you play it once, you're kind of done. Yeah, and it, and it looks, it kind of looks cheapo even. It turned out to be actually really fun. Yeah. It's actually a solid game. It is because in this game... Yes, there's a bunch of actual photos from families who mm-hmm. are really weird or awkward or something funny about them. But then you're playing famous quotes from movies that you yeah. know and love. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you play the Terminator? I'll be back. Or do you play like, um, you know, something from Forrest Gump, like Mama always said, you know? Yeah, exactly. And 
Um, the, the nice thing about the pictures is they're double-sided as well. So mm. you have a lot of pictures to choose from. You have a ton of movie quotes. Oh, yeah. And so it keeps it pretty versatile as far as you don't run into the same ones constantly. Even your dad, who does not like games, mm-hmm. will play that one. Yeah, and it's it's a simple game. It's easy to set up. It's easy to explain. Um, it You know, another thing is I sometimes you see these games that are kind of like that where you have... Kind of where like one person plays the judge, mm-hmm. and I automatically tend to think, oh, it's a ripoff of Cards Against Humanity or something like that. It's a clone. Yeah. yeah, but this it really wasn't. In fact, if anything, I feel like now I've seen a bunch of games that are ripoffs of this. Mm-hmm. Um, with there's one like um, where you're doing memes or something. Oh, what the meme? What yeah. the meme? Which I have to say, if you've ever played what the meme, um, Awkward Family Photos is a better game. I, I, honestly, because yeah. what the meme it uses that picture idea, but the 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 phrases that you have don't really make sense half the time. Unless you're a person who is super into Instagramming, Snapchatting, and, tweeting all the time. Yeah, and you know all the different. If ninety percent of and... your social life is online, like that, that's the game for you. But otherwise, like uh, yeah, half the phrases I'm like, what does that mean? I think I think the awkward family photos is a little bit better because it's movies that anyone exactly. has seen. And if yeah. you haven't seen it, then just discard that card. Yeah. But like most of them are famous. And even if you haven't seen them, like the quotes, you know, it'll be like, I'll be back. You don't like, even if you've never heard of that, you can, would this be funny? You know, like. It still works. Yeah. Yeah. It still works. You don't have to have prior knowledge. Exactly. Um, So that was a game that like totally surprised me. I literally thought, oh, we'll play it once and then I'll probably give it away or something. Mm -hmm. And it turned out we really like it and we've pulled it out multiple times. And then the other one that I have, that was a quite a surprising one mm-hmm. uh is the flux series oh that is the one where you have one goal mm-hmm. get these two cards in front of you and then you just draw one card and you play one card and i was like well, that seems kind of boring mm-hmm. it seems kind of basic and to the point you know but then what's funny is that as you go along the rules keep changing people can change the rules and that's a permanent change or they can change the rules that were changed. They can change what the end goal is. Uh-huh. They can take cards in front of you, like all these things. And what's so great about it is that they all have different themes. Like I had the Wizard of Oz themed one, in which case there, there's actually a special card only for that deck. That's like Twister. Everyone changed like entire places at the table, you uh-huh. know, and it's like a really fun game. There's all sorts of different themes that you can go along with, like a sci-fi theme. Uh, this you have the Monty Python one. We actually both have the Monty Python oh, one because <laughs> um, she got it for herself, and then I bought it for her. No, I bought it for him, and he bought it for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was like one of our early dating. Um, it was funny. Yeah. Gift of the Magi kind of situation. It was, but yeah, it's just I remember I played it with uh, one of my older friends, Elliot, mm-hmm. and he had a copy, and I was like, oh, this seems kind of. But as I got into, it, I was like, oh wait. This is an insanity game. Mm-hmm. And nothing, you can't plan anything ahead of time. You just got to play turn by turn. Yeah, and it's another one, too, where um, there are a gazillion different versions and themes. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, one of the ones that I've kind of, I don't like playing it as much as you do. And I definitely, it's one that I don't like playing with a large group. I find it hard to. I would cap it out at four. Yeah, I find it hard to pay attention to what everybody's doing when it's a large group. Mm-hmm. But that that's mainly just me. It's just a kind of a me thing. I also don't like playing Smash Up with a large group that's also just a me thing um it's not that other people probably find it fun but um they have a firefly version that i've been kind of wanting to get eventually okay so yeah okay yeah you do like that show a lot more than (laughs) i do but okay um so for me i have you know two others that i kind of thought of um actually two of the uh, recent games that we've reviewed that were sent to us Mm. um manicdotes and friend or foe um 
you know, just on first look, I was like, Ugh, I don't know how these are going to go. And I really didn't think our friends were going to like them. Yeah. And both of them turned out to be huge hits with our friends. Oh, yeah. And our friends keep requesting to play them again, in fact. So those were definitely big surprises to me. And then another one that I think was a don't judge a game by its cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Timeline. Yes. I had oh, seen, how did I forget that yes, on my list? How, I had seen Timeline countless times when we went to our local game store. Uh-huh. And it would always kind of catch my eye because one, it's, it's small, it's in a tin, and it had kind of a steampunk look. And mm-hmm. I would always go, oh, what's that? And then I'd be like, oh, this looks like a little kid's game. No. Well, also, I'm looking at it, and I real- I'm understanding what it is. It's a list of cards that have inventions and in human history or events or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have the inventions one. Yeah. And it's, you know, X number, let's call it 80 cards. And it's like, yeah, you're supposed to put them in the correct order in time. But I'm thinking to myself, well, but after you play that twice, don't you kind of know? Like, what it? No, you don't. You don't. You forget so you, fast. You will forget so fast. We literally played three games in a row. And the invention of the saxophone came up three times. And I was like, oh my gosh, what year what was, was that? It? Yeah. I can't remember the century, <laughs> but like, did that come before or after the invention uh-huh. of Morse code? Yeah. I'm not going to remember that off the top of my I head. And I think, you know, for um, most of the times when I saw it, I would just look at it and be like, oh no, that looks kitty. And I wouldn't really like read and see, okay, wait, how does this actually play? Mm-hmm. And then even then, it kind of seemed to me like a game masquerading for kids as being a game, but actually it's more like educational. And yeah. you know how it is, you know, no one actually liked doing Mavis Beacon. Like, no, <laughs> you no, know, no, no. they try to push these educational games and most of the time they're not fun. There's very little game to the educational game. And so I always kind of thought it was like that until you got it and we played it. And I was like, this is actually really fun. Yeah, because I played that with my sister up mm-hmm. north when I went to go visit her. And I was like, oh, wow, this game's pretty legitimate. Okay. Yeah. you know. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised we haven't gotten any expansions. Because yet. they can mix and match super easily. Yeah, exactly. And we, and we did really enjoy it. We'll probably we should have just to do go that get soon. all of them and just have fun. <laughs> well, Greg, I think it's time to escape from this topic and okay. get into our escape room report. Here it comes. Okay, so we have talked about a number of escape rooms on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of those up until now have been escape rooms that we have really liked. But we got a doozy for you this week. There comes a time in everyone's life where they must face an obscene obstacle (laughs) of patience, of dedication, and of sheer determination. We failed that (laughs) initially. So, and it's important in a way, like I'm glad, in a way I'm glad this happened. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, you always want to run into these great escape rooms. And especially when you're spending your time and your money and things like that, you really want to have an enjoyable experience. But the fact is that there are many escape rooms out there that are not good. Mm-hmm. And they are not all created equally. And there's also different levels of, you know, this thing has become very popular. Yes. Escape rooms are hugely popular right now. There are people out there who are just trying to make a quick dollar and cash in on the popularity. And they don't really have the love of the escape rooms and uh, don't really have the understanding sometimes. Maybe it's they really like them, but they don't really understand and they haven't really um, experienced escape rooms enough to really know what they're doing. They just think, oh, I could do that. Well, you know, I'm sure I think I could be a four-star, you know, chef, but... Probably not, you know, at least not right now. So, you know, I think the same goes for escape rooms. Some people think, oh, I can do that. And, you know, maybe they can't. I definitely think, yeah, it's not only the amount of love and care and dedication you want to give towards 
creating, developing, and maintaining mm-hmm. your setup. But also, it's the talent of, like, do you have the actual uh, ability to come up with something that's form-fitting, unique, and enjoyable? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And in this case, they did not. <laughs> and also, you know, there's also kind of two levels of escape rooms. There are sort of the mom and pops. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some chains. Yeah. And for the most part, I would say we enjoy the mom and pops. Because they have that private They usually dedication. have, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you can find these people who are really good at what they do. Um, I don't, we haven't talked about too much about Crossroads, I don't believe. No. That's a local room here that we've done. Um, and those people used to be um, set designers for theater and things like that. So when it comes to set design... Nobody beats these guys. Mm -hmm. They're really good at what they do. Whereas then, you know, we went to this other sort of chain um, franchise escape room. And there's just a little less love to those. A lot less love. (laughs) You kidding me? But the escape room that we are talking about today is actually a local room. It's Mm -hmm. in our very city. In fact, it's literally miles from my house. Yeah. And it is called Inland Empire Escape Rooms in Riverside, California. Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) so this kind of started out as kind of a comedy of airs in a way because it was actually my birthday and we were at dinner and we just on a whim decided we wanted to do an escape room yeah because we like to do and i said hey why not we've got some extra time tonight Uh uh-huh you know we're kind of ahead of schedule for the other things we had planned so we're already out yeah we can probably squeeze in a quick escape room and then talk about it for this episode yeah and so we decided you know this room is local we i had kind of heard about it um, but it was on the way back home. Yeah, we, and they had an open slot. Nobody else had booked it, which we don't usually like to play with other people except for our, you know, people we've chosen. Yeah. Um, so we decided, why not? Let's go do it. So when we got there, that was our first red flag. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, the, the lobby is... Okay, it has a nice fresco on it of, mm-hmm. like, people breaking out of a prison, you know. It's kind of themed like you're in jail or whatever. But, like, the the receptionist had all kinds of issues going on. And, like, um, but even before that, we saw a bunch of big, muscular guys leaving. Mm-hmm. And the receptionist said to us, sorry, it's going to be a couple more minutes. They broke a bunch of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> Which, that happens. It does happen. They, they always tell you, you know, uh, in some way or another, don't use a whole lot of force. If yeah. you're trying to force it, that's not right. Some of them say there's like a two-finger rule. If you can't easily move it with just two fingers, it probably isn't meant mm-hmm. to be moved or touched or, move, you know. And these guys clearly broke something. We found out later on, it's like this plastic chain that they just like got frustrated with and like ripped and like uh-huh. broke one of the links or something. Yeah. But they're like, it's going to be a couple more minutes. We have to try to like make a quick fix. And mm-hmm. Okay. We understand these guys were jerks. We will let you have your time because we're not in a big rush. Mm-hmm. Try to fix it. Thank you very much. You know. Yeah. From there, it only got downhill. <laughs> well, I will say, so this this um, room is located just in kind of like a storefront. Oh, yeah. And going in, it definitely, you know, we've done ones that are just in storefronts before. And that's and, fine. And it's fine. And a lot of times they can't, you know, they're very limited by their space they can't really make too many changes because they're just renting. But still, that's not an excuse to not theme well. Well, and yeah, but the you know, lobby was themed well. But when we were walking to the room, mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to go to a meeting with Bob. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but um, I will say that when, you know we've done rooms like that before, and sometimes the theming, because of their limitations, can't be great. 
but it makes up maybe they make up for it in the puzzles or mm-hmm. things like that. This one, when we first got in the room, I was actually at first pleasantly surprised oh, yeah. by the theming. I thought, okay, you know what? This is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. We were supposed to be, we were doing one of those typical themes of Diamond Heist. Yes. Uh, and we were supposed to be in the back alley before you get into the museum. And it looked like an alley. It had bricks, it had pipes. Mm-hmm, it yeah. had a little trash can and a rat next to it, like yeah. a little plastic Halloween rat. Uh-huh. And it even had sounds of like cars going by the distance, you know, like maybe occasional dog uh, barking or something like that. Yeah, and there was... It, l- it was pretty on point. I was like, okay, I, this room's pretty legitimate. Mm-hmm. I like it so far. Yeah, yeah. So like it started out, it was like, oh, this is, this is better than I thought it was going to be. You know, yeah. considering it's just kind of like a storefront... I'm sure they can't probably change a lot of things. Um, but from there, that was maybe the last time we were impressed yeah. by this room. The the puzzles that they had, we're not going to give spoilers to this place, really, but the puzzles they had were not well guided. Mm-mm. There was a point where, and we'll get to this later, but we need to ask for help. And when we finally got it, we were told, oh, you need to check by this, you know, near where the light source is. And the light was like this dim kind of yellow light like you might find in a dirty alleyway, which, mm-hmm. which, like I said, was on theme. But next to the dirty yellow light was a yellow arrow no bigger than a newborn infant's fingernail <laughs> pointing towards only... where you were supposed to go. Yeah, and you could only see it by looking straight into the light, Unless which most look... of us won't do because, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and let, or even looking directly at this thing. Because yeah. if I take something that's yellow and I bathe it in yellow light, guess what happens? It disappears. Uh-huh. You know, so I, it was essentially invisible. And like I said, it was so tiny. Unless you happen to look directly at it, and even then you may not register what it is or uh-huh. see it, you're not going to find that. So unless you happen to like just blindly be touching everything and like, mm-hmm. hey, this moved a little bit, which, you know, it's in a place that you would not think to touch. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, one of the issues I think was people b- apparently had broken things. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, like I totally feel because I know this happens a lot in escape rooms. People get crazy. People get overzealous. They, yeah. you know, we've seen rooms where people have pulled out their keys and tried to pry stuff open and wrecked people's props. Like, Maybe I even feel, out of frustration. Yeah, you know? I feel really bad for them. But also you have to think there might be a level to where if your room doesn't make sense, if your puzzles don't make sense, kind of understand why people might reevaluate where something's going wrong. Yeah, yeah, like they might not really be intending to break something. But they're just getting overzealous. They don't. They're frustrated. They don't know what else to do. Yeah. They're pulling on it. They don't mean to break it, but it's just going to happen because you've set up a room that doesn't make sense. And here's the other issue: when we went into it, we know that they broke a few things. True. So we're handling everything with like kid gloves. Yeah, and we're constantly not sure: is this not working, or was this something that was broken? Yeah. So there's this major doubt in our mind. Yeah. So, okay. So we we managed to get to. The second room, which is inside of the uh, uh, museum. Uh-huh. And it is the most sparsely decorated thing I've ever mm-hmm. seen. It's literally two shelves with, quote, art on it. Mm-hmm. One of it doesn't even have art. It just has a picture of dice that is somehow a puzzle that <laughs> I won't explain. But um, there's a safe, just like a small safe about the size of a computer tower just sitting in the corner mm-hmm. with directions on the top of like here's how you do a safe with a left right left dial uh-huh. and then the diamond right there yeah the and then case. like one other little puzzle but basically so yes very sparse but the other thing is you know throughout the room that room any other room you go into 
the puzzle there was no narrative to and there was no narrative that led you there to was at figure first out of getting into the museum like yeah. breaking in but from there it's but gone. from there yeah and there's nothing to lead you to figure out how to work these puzzles mm-hmm. um you know like you said there's like this dice puzzle and at one we were never given a way to figure out that puzzle no we it's just, just figured it out you eventually. have to stumble upon it yeah my and, brain is wired in a way that I can look at things from all sorts of different perspectives at once and uh-huh. kind of say like, well, maybe they were thinking this, maybe they think of that. And that's why I'm kind of good at these escape rooms uh-huh. because I can kind of get into other people's heads. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I got this puzzle. I was like, yeah. it must be this because there's no other reason you would show me that and not give me anything else. Yeah. It, it, does it make any sense? Is there any rhyme or reason to why? No, we just kind of went, well, maybe it's this. Let's try it. Kind and of thing. and also the, the solutions that you were given for the puzzle all is at the first half, if not more, for the entire room. Just feed back to one location where it's just a chain chained up or like tied up with multiple with locks. Multiple, yes, this room's incredibly lock heavy. Most of the time, you're just finding combinations to open this one lock or this it's one just, series. It's of like locks. imagine a chain bundled up against the wall with six locks on it. Yeah, and I, you have to eventually like, okay, I solved this puzzle, tried on all six of those locks. Yeah, okay, it was the third one, so that's one down. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big mistakes. I think that especially new owners or owners that maybe aren't experienced a lot make is they think an escape room is just a bunch of locks Mm -hmm. and that does not make an escape room. Now (laughs) I will give some credit where credit is due. A lot of escape rooms, how they work, it's very linear where you have to solve this puzzle to solve that puzzle to solve the third puzzle. Mm -hmm. But this one, it kind of broke away from that. It's more of a web Uh, where if you did have multiple people in the room, I can work on this one and then solve the lock and then you can work on that one and solve your lock. But not really. But like, I I appreciate what, how like we can work on different puzzles and all work towards the same goal there, you know, but at the same time, just the execution was really, really slow. Yeah, but even then, I feel like the room was still somewhat linear um, because a lot of times you couldn't get into something else until you got one lock undone well like yeah they had that idea but also yes there were other times where there, like, there were other times it you depends could break on up. that the other uh major downfall for this game is that supposedly this room went up to i believe eight people there's no Six way people i no, think it was eight. eight eight people there's no way first of all the first room you would be so squished it's i can't Insanity. imagine um and also there's just not enough to do for that many people no there wasn't I mean, enough to do for two of us. Yeah, we got out really fast. And, I mean, let's just say there's more to the story that's coming. But, like, still, there's just not enough to this room. So I don't, you know, that's another criticism sometimes I have of rooms is you can kind of tell when they are just trying to make a quick buck by how many people they squeeze in the room. Yeah. You know, where you're like, it doesn't make sense. There's not enough for this many people to do. There's not enough room for this many people. So yeah, why, in, why in, would it go up to this many? In the museum, which is their biggest room, there is literally four stations, and at each of those stations, there's only one thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then once that one thing is done, that station is no longer needed. Yeah. So like, so that's already half the people right there, and like you can't do all the stations at the same time, obviously. Mm-hmm. So then like the other yeah, five people can go. Only you know, one time do I think we kind of broke off and we're not working together. Yeah. Only once. Like maybe we could have done more, but most of the time it was. There was one puzzle that I did while you were working on some other things. And then the rest of the time was kind of me looking around and you feeding me combinations. Exactly. Or us working together on something. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of us working independently at all. The the other thing, another red flag that we should have known right away Mm -hmm. was when we were reading the description of this room. And it said that we were looking for the princess face diamond. The princess. Okay. (laughs) Keep in mind. 
in English, when you capitalize a letter, that means it's like the part title, of its yeah. name or like a proper yeah. noun. Capital P, princess. Capital F, face. Capital D, diamond. Yeah. The princess face diamond. Is this a diamond that looks like a princess's face? I was hoping. Is this a diamond <laughs> that goes into the face of a princess? Like it's embedded in there? Like yeah. the villain from James Bond? It, is What is this? I've heard of a princess cut diamond. A princess cut, yeah. Princess cut princess is like a popular face? like uh, engagement ring cut, uh-huh. you know? But a princess face diamond? It... Is it the size of her face? Like, no, it's not, yeah, by the way. It, and yeah, it's not. It's just a diamond. Like, <laughs> like you could have attached any royalty name to that. Like, you know, the Queen Anne diamond or whatever. Or the King Solomon diamond, whatever. Princess face diamond. We all know about Princess Face. She wrote in Austro-Hungaria in the, you know, turn of the 20th century. And, you know, she did many important things. But the main problem we had with this room... Oh, was the uh, level of help that we did or did not receive. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe also their technology. So, usually really good rooms will have a very clever, very on-theme and integrated way to help players when they need it. If they have it at all. We've played um, at least one room that doesn't really give you hints, per se. True, true. Because their room is just so good that they don't need to. Exactly. Which is bold, but at the same time... They can do that. They can, they can get that. away with yeah, that because exactly. they're because, on it. Yeah, and I mean, they do in maybe a slight way give you hints, but it's done in such a way that, um, you know, they already know what you might yeah. anticipate before. But I mean, know. like, we've had ones where we were in a pirate theme and we ring a ship's bell, then a little handwritten note gets slid to us under the door. Mm-hmm. That's on theme, ringing a ship's bell to yeah. signal, like, give me a note. They're uh, not going to hand you a walkie talkie for a pirate ship, you yeah. know? And this one, Diamond Heist, Walkie Talkie, that's fine. I get it. I've seen lots of heist movies where Walkie Talkies could use. I'm not complaining there. Mm-hmm. What I'm complaining about is the fact that the Walkie Talkie did not work. Yeah. We we were stuck, as I said, for about 10 minutes, I'd say. Yeah, and very early on in the room. We had gotten to the second room, but we basically were like, we are missing something. We're missing something crucial something. because we, we cannot can't. open a single lock. Yeah. Because all we could do is just open the passageway to the second room. But no lock could be open because nothing is making sense. Yeah. So we knew we had missed something. And so I get on the walkie-talkie after 10 minutes, and we both conferred. Yeah, let's get wanna, a hint. Okay, yeah. let's get a hint because we've already lost like a sixth of our time. Uh-huh. Nothing responds. No response whatsoever. I tried again. No response. Then we start miming and waving at the cameras that we can see, saying, hey, they're, we're trying to call you, not get anything. Then we hear the host come into the room. He says, oh, I'm sorry. Let me give you this other walkie-talkie. Clearly, that one's not working. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. That's fine. Technology, things happen, gremlins in the system, whatever you want to say. Uh-huh. And then he leaves. I then get on the radio and say, okay, still need that hint. Nothing. Silence. Nothing. <laughs> Mind me to the camera again. Hey, this is not working. Mm-hmm. It comes in again, gives us the third one. And then he leaves. And then try it again, and it's not working. Now, at this point, had I been him, when he brought us that first walkie-talkie, I would have, at that point, verbally just told us, oh, have you tried this? And then left. Yeah. Rather than wait for us to wait for him to get back to his station and then or, start Or, you know what I would have done? I would have said, I would have brought the other walkie with me on the second time. Let's and test stand it. it right there. Let's test it right here, right mm-hmm. now, to make sure that this is working. Yeah. No. <laughs> so after the third time, I looked at you, Lauren, and I said... I'm not having any more of this. We're done. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm walking out. And I went to the door and I walked out. And we out. walked out. We got and almost to the lobby. I tell you this, in my mind, ladies and gentlemen, I was telling myself the moment my foot hits the lobby, I'm officially done and demanding a refund. 
And if not, then, you know, I will raise all kinds of heck online, you know, until I get it. Because mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but your game is unplayable. Yeah. I'm stuck and you're not helping me. And there's, we've done like, like 30 rooms at this point. Mm -hmm. Like we're experienced. We have lots of examples of different ways to play games. We kind of know what we're doing. Yeah, And we've played bad rooms before. We're not claiming to be experts, but we're definitely enthusiasts. Yeah. We know like how games can and should be set up. Mm -hmm. You know, he stopped me two steps before the lobby. <laughs> and he said to me, Oh, I'm so sorry. There's this issue with the frequencies. There's like police scanners and all that. And it's messing us up and it's not working. So, But he also did hint that this happens a lot. A lot. He, he was like, oh, the, poli the police scanners, they mess up our walkie-talkies a lot. You know, what well, can we do? Let me say this now before this gets lost. When I was using the walkie-talkies, I wasn't getting any kind of like... Static. Breaker, breaker, 10, 4, 9, 5, breaker. You know, I was yeah. getting static. They, they were dead. They were not working. Yeah. They were just off, dead, no battery. Mm -hmm. And also, I've never heard of police frequencies messing with your walkie-talkies before. Uh, yeah. Unless so. you have some walkie-talkies that you shouldn't have, probably. Yeah. Also, it really sounded to me, because I used to work in audiovisual when I was in college, and one of the things we used to tell people when the microphones were messing up is, oh, there must be an airplane flying over. That's not a thing. We would just say it because, you know, like... That's not a thing. Yeah, yeah. but it it's was just, just a throwaway a way, excuse. It was just a way to pacify the customer because yeah. they didn't know. Yeah. So, but he says, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to restart the time. And I'm thinking in my head, yeah, you are. Yeah. Because that 10 to 15, 15 minutes now, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. 25% of our time is thrown away because you couldn't help us. Yeah. You, and he said something about how, oh, well, he was trying to write us something. Well, we've I didn't been see in any there. piece of paper in his hand. Yeah, and we've been in there quite a while. So, yeah, and forget this, you know. So he says, and then I will go and I will stand in the room. And I will give you hints as you need them. Mm -hmm. To which I'm thinking, okay, I'm a fair person. I will give this one more chance. Mm -hmm. And we go back in the room and then he gives us the clue that leads to that, as I mentioned, the tiny little thing that you would never see. And he's, and I'm like, really? <laughs> I actually turned to him and said, really? <laughs> and then we, of course, find the thing and then we got the ball rolling. Yeah. You will never know a more awkward situation than to have a person standing in the room as you do in an escape room, knowing all the right answers and all the wrong answers mm -hmm. and not say anything, just silently judging yeah, you. Yeah, well, and I think, I think you know, I've heard of other rooms. We haven't experienced this where the game master is in the room with you the whole time. Yeah. Um, kind of low-tech versions. This was just awkward because, one, we just had this interaction with him. And he knows that we're slightly upset. We're slightly upset. It, you know, it definitely made us feel like we couldn't say everything we might want to say to one another. Yeah. Um, it also, you know, there was kind of this, you know, oh, like yeah, I said, I felt, uh, there was tension. Shy and yeah, there was though. tension there. Um, also the, you know, kind of when a game master's not used to being in the room like that, there were a couple times where he gave us hints when we didn't necessarily ask for them. I'm like, Hey buddy. Yeah. Like some commentary that we probably didn't need. Yeah. Um, nothing major. I mean, like I said, once we kind of got over that major hiccup, the room wasn't that difficult. No, it was too easy. Yeah, we and breezed we, through it. we breezed through it really fast. The one thing I, I will say, though, that, like, okay, it was fine to him to speak up for is when we got to the part that the other guys broke, mm -hmm. he then explained, okay, so here's how this, this is how was supposed, supposed to, work. to work. Yeah. Instead, here's how it's going to yeah. actually go. And actually, it, 
It was good he was in there because the end of this game made zero sense whatsoever. Oh, my I literally goodness. like basically at one point you open this door and that's kind of where the, the end is beginning or you know the begin of the end I should say. And yeah. I literally went, "Oh, um Okay, because okay. it's a diamond <laughs> Here, Here's where I Okay, so it's a diamond heist. Yeah. You're supposed to grab the diamond and get out. <laughs> and Greg's like running around with the diamond like, "I'm, okay. I'm getting out." I'm so getting out. I, the diamond I have it in my hand, right? It's like a baseball-sized diamond, uh, you know. And for some reason, they give you a key to go out another door. Yeah. And I'm like, "Why? We have a escape hatch to the alleyway that we came in through. Can't we just disappear down the alleyway?" No, you have to use the key. Okay. Use the key. Twist ending or little twist there. Like, "Oh, yeah. okay, whatever." I won't spoil what it is, but there's a little thing behind the door that's not the exit. And then I, like, run away because I'm like, no, that's not it. I'm going to go down the other way. And the guy's like, no, look, there's something else there. This little key hanging there. What does this key go to? In the third room that they have that I won't spoil where that is or what it is. But in the third room, there's another door there you have to use that exit for. Mm -hmm. Why? There's an exit down the... So to get to this third room, you have to leave the museum, go into the alleyway that you entered through that... Presumably in this world, you can just disappear into the main streets and just be gone. You would think. But no, then you have to go to the room in the building across the alleyway mm -hmm. to exit the door. And that's the exit. Yeah. Why? Yeah. That That's so, like, illogical. <laughs> yeah, it just, and the, and the way they did it, basically, it kind of almost looks not, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I do want to spoil it. Um, it looks like a cop is there and you've been caught. And so I was yeah. like, so that's why I'm like, oh no, diamond. Get so out he runs, he runs. I stop and I'm like, so what does this mean? Does this mean we it, lost? Okay. Like, when I thought what? about it, that would have been the cute ending, like a twist ending. Like, no, you actually got caught. Yeah. Or, that, and that was or fun. yeah, it could have been the key worked on a door or that. And if you open that, you got that ending. That's like the bad ending. The door. Yeah. Like it could have been different endings. Like there's so many other things they could have done, but this was just, it was just so like, at that point, I guess probably I was, you know, I had also gotten hit in the face by something while we were in the room. And kind heard. of fed up with the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, so I was kind of fed up. So literally, I just, we opened that and I'm just like, oh, well, what does this mean? And then, like, I was just like, uh, okay. And then, like, also thematically, <laughs> okay, yes, there's a cardboard cutout of a cop standing there with yeah. like little red and blue lights flashing stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. But then, like, I'm supposed to then, like, thematically grab a key off of a cop. Off of the cop? Yeah, like, what? And then, like, just walk out the museum. <laughs> To exit the alleyway to then go into the building across the alleyway to exit. Yeah. Why? I mean, granted... Do I live there? Am yeah. I just, like, hopping across the street back home? <laughs> granted, Californian cops maybe aren't as bad as some of the other states, but still, you don't do that. <laughs> it, from it start no to finish, sense. there was no logical sense, both in puzzles, in theme, mm -mm. and everything. To tell the truth, this is really one of those ones where, like we said, the beginning theming of the alley was pretty great. It even had the audio theming of, like, cars going going by uh -huh. of like you know things that you might hear in a scary alleyway at night yeah but the rest of it just really died and went downhill from there and it's yeah. kind of disappointing yeah it's you know like i said we've done rooms that we haven't necessarily liked before we've done rooms that haven't been great yeah i can't think at least for myself you know you've done another room that was very bad and that you didn't like with your family but for me there's never been one that was so bad that i didn't still have a good time this no. is one of the few examples where we did an escape room where I was not having fun. Yeah. It was and, a chore. Yeah, it was a chore. It was, you know, by the time we ended, I felt like we had wasted our money. We had wasted our time. I actually annoying. regret staying. I wish I would have walked out and said, no, I want my money back. Yeah. And That's how bad this yeah, room Yeah, and also, you know, they have other rooms. They have a room that they currently have, and then they have one that they're building. And 
unless by some miracle, we will not be going back to those rooms. No, even if I was given a free game there, honestly, I wouldn't go back because I'm not going to be expecting anything. Yeah, and it it really sucks because, you know, this is literally right down the street from our house. Like, we we want games that close. We usually have to drive to L.A., which is quite a chore. It'd be fantastic to have a, a great one that close, but this is not. This is the opposite end. What's the name of the place again? It's called Inland Empire Escape Rooms. I'm calling for... A ban on that place. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm calling for it. Don't yeah, go there. And, if you're in Southern you know, California, don't go yeah. to Inland Empire Escape. And the thing is, so this story kind of has another part to it. You know, we went on and we reviewed this game on both Yelp and a Facebook. Yes, we did. And they actually responded to me on Yelp and they said that, oh, you know, we're really sorry. Um, our walkie-talkies have been messed up lately because of construction across the street. No, 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 no. You said... It was yeah. police. Exactly. So now it's construction, yet we've already talked about how it wasn't even that. It was just the fact that they weren't on. Yeah, well, or they were broken or, or their batteries working. were dead or something. But yeah, and so, okay, this, and really this is the third excuse because we also kind of got the, like I said, the guy kind of hinted on the fact that they don't work very often and that they've thought about changing their hinting yeah. system. Um, and I'm really scratching my head to think of any construction that's going on right there like i said i live a couple miles away there was so no construction i can't think there. and it was also like eight o'clock at night yeah <laughs> so nothing was going on no right guys then. working construction <laughs> at night unless he's in the mafia yeah or so and and that's it and you know we also reviewed them on facebook no response or whatever and you know for a company to you know we've had another experience with an escape room where the escape room was okay it wasn't the best um, but we had some problems with the actual location of the escape room. Mm-hmm. Um, they they hadn't really kept their bathrooms up. There were some other issues. Um, and we mentioned that. And our friend who actually works for a small business, she really notices that stuff yeah. more, than, more than you and I do. And so she kind of called them on that. And they were apologetic. And they actually invited us back to show us, hey, you know, we fixed up the bathrooms a little bit. And also, you know, the room you did, it's it's a room that, you know, we, we also feel like it's not it, it has something wrong with it. We're not sure what. We can't figure out what we want to do with it. And it's also an easy room. And you guys are clearly experienced players. Yeah. So come back on us and do this other room that we think would be more fitting to you. Yeah. And we actually considered turning them down, but we decided to do it. And, you know, we're much more pleasantly surprised by that. You know, this company, you know, it's not to say, oh, you have to give us something free because we didn't like your room. But at the same time, there was no care or customer trying to keep us as customers trying to keep up that not only that but to me it's insulting that you are changing your excuse exactly you're changing your story and then i call them out on it Mm -hmm. on facebook i said that's not this story that you told us and i put story in quotes Uh and it's like yeah it's you know there there's a thing that you know we talk about um a lot at my work actually it's called your net promoter score Mm -hmm. and a net promoter score has three levels you have on your high level, say it's like zero to 10. Yeah. Your upper level of like six to 10 are your promoters. These are people who are so happy with you. They're going to go out and tell other people, oh, you know what? I love this product. I love this company. You should try it. Yeah. They're going to spread it word of yeah. mouth. Your middle range, your sevens to eights, say, are your passive people. They like you fine, but not enough to be going around singing your praises. You know. They're like, okay, I might go to you again. But I'm not going to go tell my, like, co-workers. I'm not going to go out of my way, you know. Um, But then you have your zero to sixes. Mm -hmm. And those are actually, 
your detractors. Mm -hmm. And that's what you don't want to happen because your detractors, they're not going out and singing your praises. They're actively going out and saying, do not go to this people. Do not use their products. Do not use their services, whatever it is. Yeah, I had a horrible time with whatever. exactly. And I think, you know, we all see that in our day-to-day interactions. For instance, how often would you go on Amazon, per se, and rate a product that you like? Probably not. I mean, unless it blew my mind. Unless it blew your mind, probably not. Well, yeah. You forget about that part, right? But if it's something that you hate or that was terrible, you're going to go on Amazon and you're going to tell everybody how this is terrible and they shouldn't buy it. Oh, yeah. You know, for us, um, you know, we always, we have like a review site that we go on and we'll talk about the escape rooms we do. Sometimes we'll leave Yelp reviews. If it's Mm -hmm. it's a really good game, I'll leave a Yelp review because I want everyone to know. But I forget all the time that Facebook does reviews. Never remember Facebook does reviews. Mm-hmm. But this time, not only did we do a Yelp review, we did a Facebook review, and I did a TripAdvisor review. Yeah. Because that is how bad it is that I want people to know. And the thing is, this game has a good rating on all those sites. And a lot of them are people saying like, oh, this is my first time with an escape room. Things exactly. Like that. And I, I really pity those people because... Okay, yes, you got into the hobby, now you like it, but at the same time, you got a really bad experience. Yeah, and also I think that's, you know, it, in a way, when you are looking for escape rooms to do, you need to be a little bit wary of your Yelps and your, yeah. you know, Facebooks. Because sometimes you're not always getting people who maybe are truthful. Mm-hmm. You may be getting, you know, you don't know where those reviews came from. Yeah. It could be coming from their friends. They could be coming from people who've never done a room before and they were just having a really good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, not to... Or not maybe to, somebody who was even uh, uh, incentivized to say something Exactly. Good, and, and not to badmouth people who maybe have... It's their first time. But just you might not really be getting an accurate look. The other thing that's important to look at when you do Yelp reviews is look at which room they played, if they say. Yeah. One of the things I noticed is a lot of the good reviews for this one were not the room that we did. It was their other room, which mm-hmm. we did not do. So that maybe their other room is better. But once again, I don't know because I will never do that room yeah. because of the bad experience we had. Now, perhaps maybe if they had offered to make it right and invited us back before we kind of now went down this path of uh, them telling us more lies and things like that, mm-hmm. maybe we would have done the other room and said, okay, you know what? Their other room wasn't that great. They were having an off night, but this room this room's pretty good. Yeah. And we've had that. We've had other escape rooms where we're like, you know what? They had this one really great room. Their other rooms, not so good. Don't do that room. And I understand that. Some rooms, you know, you just the theme clicks and you have great ideas. Yeah. And then the other one, it's just a complete flop. But that's how the creative process goes. Mm -hmm. But when you not only let my negative thoughts and feelings towards it fester, but then supplement that with lies and excuses Mm -hmm. rather than apologies that's just gonna bring it down like okay maybe when i left like going with your score thing was it zero Uh to six yeah maybe i was a four when i left but because they like made up another excuse that did not fit the original story Uh now i'm a hardcore zero yeah and i mean i know for our friend who she works for a small business she said herself that you know in this day and age like reviews and things like that can really hurt you Mm -hmm. and it you know that kind of that customer experience and that you know, trying to make things right with a customer is very important, especially to a small business. And, you know, they just didn't really try. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because we ended up that weekend, we went into two other escape rooms, which were far superior and just like, thankfully kind of got rid of that bad taste for us. Yeah. But, you know, and I think we'll, we'll probably end up reviewing one of them um, 
for our next episode. But the one was The Basement, which we've talked about here before. Yeah. And but it's the other almost, one was a franchise that, you know. True, yeah. But And it's almost unfair in a way to compare The Basement to some rooms because The Basement is just so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. Darn it, they really are good at what they, they do. They are. And their new room is awesome. You if you are in LA or I don't know if they have it at their Vegas location yet, but like you have to do this room. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most unusual room we've ever done. But um, the thing that the basement does really well is all of their puzzles make sense to your setting. Yeah. They all go with what you're doing. They all make sense. You know, you're not just doing a bunch of combination locks in a bathroom. No, it's... You know, because why would you have combination locks in a bathroom? You yeah, know? <laughs> I mean, not to give away any major spoilers, but in this new run, uh, they have the first major puzzle be troubleshooting, uh, like, pressurizing valves with the directions that a typical mechanic or, like, you know, whatever maintenance guy would have in front of him. Uh-huh. Make sure that this level set to this number. Make sure that these things are yeah. equalized. If it's this, then you have to do that, you know? Yeah, or at one point, you're trying to overload a system. Mm-hmm. So you're actually running cables, and you're doing it in, like, an order to overload But you don't know it. which fuse does what, so you have to kind of guess and check. Yeah, but and it makes sense to what you're doing and what you're trying to escape from. And that's the problem. Like, so many of these rooms... They they just have, oh, we'll just find the combination for this lock. Just find the combination for this lock. And you're like, well, just find the combination. How, how does this fit with what I'm trying to why do? Why is there a yellow chain locked up in this alleyway? Yeah, why, why, you know, I'm trying to break into something. Why Why would I be going through all these padlocks? Why wouldn't I just smash and grab, you know? Like, like I said, doesn't... why am I not going down the alleyway with a diamond? Yeah. Why am I going to the building across the way yeah, and... to then go out a door that's been previously <laughs> locked that I don't know goes where? Yeah, and like the basement, you know, they're one of the rooms that they don't really have a hint system you know they they do there is a little way they kind of give you hints but it's all pre-programmed into this room to where you know it automatically knows kind of where you might struggle so it pushes you in the right direction but it's so subtle and it's because they're they do such a good job of making sure that their room makes sense Mm -hmm. and that it works and that it you know you can logically get to it it's going to be challenging but as long as you follow what is given to you, you can get there. Yeah. It's not some logic leap that you have to do. And with the the last thing I'll say about this room that we did, the horrible one, the uh-huh. Inland Empire Escape one, like there were a few more times we had to ask for clues because we're looking around going like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like we've gone through all the possible options we have, even when the guy was in the room and yeah. giving us clues. And we're like, look at him like, okay, dude, like <laughs> they're just shaking our hands and head at him going like, we give up your silly little method apparently is, you know, too like insider knowledge for us. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like insider knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't, if you're not in the know. Oh, you don't know to flip this around and do it backwards. Like, yeah. (laughs) Well, no, because there's nothing that would lead me to believe that I should flip it around and do it backwards. Yeah. Like (laughs) you don't know that like lining it up like this and this room on the side will somehow give you the code for this thing over here. That's Uh, not connected to that whatsoever. Yeah, You can't see that microscopic line that you need to line it up with. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, and the other thing that really worries me is, like we said, there was a lot of first timers who reviewed this, who liked the room or whatever. But the problem is, too, is, you know, first timers, if they go to a bad room and they get turned off, they could get turned off for the whole escape room. You know, they might think, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm not good at escape rooms. Like, apparently or, I'm not good at this because yeah. I was stuck there for like yeah. half or, an hour. Or, you know what, people like this, but I don't know. I didn't have a very good time. You know, we recently took my mom to her first escape room. Yeah. And she had a good time. There was but a good like, time, could you imagine? Could you imagine if we, we did this room with her? Oh. She would be like, you guys are crazy. That's not fun. Yeah. 
I, I always say, and I will keep saying this, doing escape rooms is like a blind date. Well, like, can you imagine if your very first date ever, much less a blind date, was a horrible one mm-hmm. where, like, the guy chewed with his mouth open, made you pay for everything, <laughs> and then always talked about just himself and didn't care about you at all? Like, you would never date again, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, for people who do this as their first escape room, if they have no idea what's going on whatsoever, like, they might be, oh, dating's not for me. Escape rooms are not for me. Uh-huh. I will. No, thank you. I will go just be with a bunch of cats. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, it's a shame that, some of these rooms exist and it's a shame that maybe they don't want to get better or that they don't you know i i mean i guess i can't say that they don't want to get better because they haven't led us to believe that they want to or that they care about their mistakes you know so once again i'm i'm going to be boycotting that location i'm sorry but they they had their chance to try to redeem it to at Mm. least bring me up to like okay like i understand by lying yeah, because we understand off nights happen. Like, we totally get it. And we totally get technology breaks. We've had that happen yeah. in other rooms. We totally get that people break stuff. We've had that happen in other rooms. Yeah. We get it. We, I mean, you know, we love escape rooms. We love the people who run them and own them. And so we've definitely commiserated with them and heard their but crazy stories. to make excuses. But to make excuses that are Unapologetic. so clearly false and not true. And, like, even if you're thinking... Oh, well, maybe the construction thing is true. Remember, they lied to us twice in the actual place. Yeah. They told us three separate stories. Even if one of them is true, the other two are false. Mm -hmm. So no matter where the lie is, even if the truth is in there somewhere, they still lie. Yeah. And to just not try to make it right. You know, I mean, yes, the guy, he did end up standing in the room with us. But the alternative was we were literally walking out the door. That was just to, like, keep (laughs) our money in his pocket. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's, it's sad. But we should probably start stop rambling about it. <laughs> I told you I could talk half an hour. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's not. I guess it's it's good to show you guys that they're not all great, and they're not even even people who love escape rooms as much as us. And let me tell you, we love escape yeah. rooms. If it was possible, we would be doing them every weekend. It's just money and time do not allow for that. So let me just leave you with this <laughs> final thought: When you are looking to do an escape room, do your homework. Yeah, there Research are sites and. There are sites like Escape Authority mm-hmm. that has great sites. And even if they have it in an official review, go onto their forums. Lots of people contribute there. There's Facebook groups. Facebook groups. Just if you go onto something like Yelp, where it has public reviews that anybody can go to that everybody knows about, mm-hmm. be very careful. Yeah. Judge each of those with a grain of salt. And I tell you this, if you take only one thing away, if uh, most of the reviews are, this was my first time doing an escape room, really really tread carefully yeah maybe even look at some of the bad reviews just to get a different opinion too don't just look at the good reviews um because you know you can sometimes tell if someone sometimes people leave a bad review and you're like okay yeah but you kind of sound like you're just being overly judgmental Mm -hmm. or you know have you ever been on amazon and seen someone who's like well the package it came in and you're like okay dude like (laughs) we're not reviewing the package but you know you just you need to look at those critically and Mm -hmm. think before you know and like we said if you can do research. It will definitely save you the time and frustration of going through one of these horrible experiences. Yeah, because, you know, they're not always cheap and sometimes it's hard to get time to do them and we want you to have a positive experience. We want you to love the thing that we love. (laughs) All right, so now that we've had our time discussing one of our least favorite rooms ever, (laughs) let's talk about our Friday favorite.
Greg, what's what what game is really on your mind right now? It actually is one that you brought up yourself earlier, and uh-huh. I was surprised. I didn't think it was going to be on your list of conversations. But Betrayal on House of the Hill. Oh yeah, we haven't played that in a while. I like it. It's a fun game that has a lot of replayability. Not only because you set out tiles to relay the house out, but also depending on how the game goes, the different scenarios that happen with the twist that comes halfway through. Except no. if you're me, because yeah. the only two times I've played it, I've gotten the same exact scenario. Well, that's not my fault, just because you like that Jack the Red or whatever the guy's name was. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I, I, I that did happen once where we got the same thing twice, and we're like, no, we're just going to randomly pick something else then, because that's uh, yeah, let's do something different, you know. So Lauren got the one in like 32 chance to like get the same thing twice, you know. <laughs> but still, it's a fun game. And also it comes with fun little figurines to go through. I always try to imagine it's like a really messed up episode of Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like just minus the dog, you know. <laughs> I, I, I like to get into the characters and really like cosplay like, oh, I'm going to go over here. Uh, hey, guys, does my concussion still look bad to you? You know, <laughs> like, with the little sports. I like playing the sports guy. <laughs> I like to pretend he has a major head injury as he goes through. <laughs> Uh, so for me, the, you know, we've been playing, I feel like we've been playing a lot of more complex games lately. Um, we're still kind of going through um, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, yeah, which, you know, takes a lot. We've taken a little break from it recently, though. Yeah, well, the holidays kind of made that necessary just because we couldn't all get together necessarily. and we Because wanted to we play, got sick in real life. Yeah, and we wanted <laughs> to play Christmas games and, you know, schedules were different and things like that. But, you know, playing that, you know, during Christmas, we kind of switched off and we're playing some more lighter games. And that just kind of made me nostalgic for just those really simple games that they don't take a lot of thought. You can, you know, we don't have to review the rules. We can just Mm -hmm. jump into them. And so it made me think of a game that I like, Red Flags. Yes. And so Red Flags is, it's a card game and it's very simple. Basically, you are trying to create a perfect date for someone in your group, mm-hmm. whoever the judge is at that round. And while doing that, you are also trying to sabotage the person next to you and make their date horrible by giving playing a red flag on them. Oh, I love this game. <laughs> and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's very simple. Um, it's good to play with adults. It's good to play with friends because you really can customize what you know is like just a total turnoff for one of your friends. One of our friends has major fear of clowns. <laughs> so I know if it, if she's the judge, all I have to do is just hold on to that clown card and <laughs> just when it's the right turn, just play that. Yeah. And, and, your, and your game is done. Yeah. Um, one of our friends really has had some issues with stalkers in the past. Oh, yeah. So any thing that is like a stalker or clingy or anything creepy like that, you play it on her. Um, She also has a terrible boss. Yeah. So anything that's like, oh, they will get rid of all your terrible bosses, got to play that on her. (laughs) But it's a fun game, yeah, because you essentially, you're playing two really great benefits to this person, like can get you backstage to any concert that you want. And maybe um, owns a penthouse suite in pick a city yeah you know like seattle you know so you can like customize it to like oh i know that lauren has always wanted to live in portland uh-huh. so like let's put it there yeah you know? or you know but has then, a pet dinosaur has a, yeah yeah greg's gonna love that you oh know? yeah but then you had the bad things like um uh refuses to use the word i always speaks in third person you know <laughs> or like ends every single sentence whether written or verbal with hashtag <laughs> You know, it's, it's like like infuriating things. Yeah, you know? infuriating things. Or it could be something like, um, 
always insists on going to bed by uh, doing the um, the farting in bed and holding the sheets over you. I forget what that's <laughs> called, but, you know, there's a term for that. You know, like, always does that every night, you know. So it's like, oh, can I live with that? <laughs> like, yes, they have a penthouse suite in, like, my favorite city, but they're going to, like, oh, Dutch oven. That's what it's called. Yeah. They're going to Dutch oven me every day. Yeah, they don't <laughs> wear deodorant or, you know. There's also, and they range from kind of bad to terrible. And also, it depends on you. I, <laughs> you actually, might think something's really bad. And <laughs> I remember one of the cards, and this is a bit on uh, theme for the year. One of the cards said, actually believes in Santa Claus and refused to buy gifts for other people at Christmas time. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, funny game everyone has a good time and laughs but it's simple it's easy to play it's a good filler game because you don't necessarily have to play up to a certain amount if you don't want to mm -hmm. um so you know just playing some of those complicated games really made me kind of just ah uh, i got nice, a mellow out nice yeah. simple easy game so i think that about does it for this episode of friday's game night uh, music for this episode was provided by bensound.com. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please come talk games with us. And Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs>